Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was meeting with a couple that uh, I am going to officiate the wedding for in a few weeks, and uh, I, I did ask for their permission to uh, share this because uh, it did take place in the context of premarital counseling. But during the conversation that we were having, the bride started talking about one of her career goals, or, or her primary career goal, and that is that she wants to work in air traffic control. And we were talking about that, the, the groom-to-be was talking about what he wanted to do with his career, and we were just talking through all of this within the context of a conversation about values and principles and long-term goals, and kind of, these are the values that we have, how can we make our, our goals and our plans line up with those values? And so we were having this conversation, and they were talking about how they wanted to kind of work through it together, and they wanted to divide time up. He would go to school for a while, she would go to school for a while, and they were trying to figure out how that would work financially and also with kids involved in the picture and things of that nature, just typical things that you have to juggle in marriages. And she said, you know, it's not a huge rush, but I need to make sure that I get done within the next eight years. I said, oh, that's interesting. Why the next eight years? She said, well, I'm 23 now. Uh, and you can't start in air traffic control as a career after age 31. And I was like, that, that's interesting. And so I'm just kind of politely listening as she explains it. She said, yeah, apparently when you reach age 31, your brain can no longer develop the skills necessary to be in air traffic control. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I'm just politely listening and soaking it all in, and, and she's talking through it, and, and she says, yeah, there are certain critical thinking things that you have to have already in your repertoire by the time that you get to that age, because if you get to that point, your mental capacity might not really be ready to keep going. I'm just like, oh, this is great. And so I, I'm sitting there listening politely and just encouraging her, and I said, uh, and then just kind of sarcastically said, well, th this has just been a really encouraging conversation for me. I turned 31 a few weeks ago. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, it's over. It, everything I'm going to know in life, I know now. And I, it's just, I can't develop any more skills. The brain is done. And I was like, it's a good thing I'm kind of committed to the career that I'm in because I think I'm stuck there. Uh, whatever I was going to learn, it's too late to learn anything new. And we laughed a little bit. She backtracked a little bit. She still wanted me to do the wedding, and so she had to kind of polish it up a little bit. And so we're, we're talking through it, and we had this humorous moment together that we shared together. But the takeaway for me was something bigger. The takeaway for me was that while I am not sure that at age 31 I am done learning, I hope I'm not done learning, I may not have the capacity to learn new skills. I don't know. Maybe I, I can't. That's not really the takeaway for me. The takeaway for me is that I do believe that there are certain patterns of thinking, certain things that we develop over the course of our lifetime, that once we reach a certain point, it's hard to undo those things. There are certain mindsets that become part of who we are, and it has the potential to lock us in to this is how we're always going to be. And so... This morning, we're going to talk about mindset, and we're going to talk about one particular mindset, but we're going to also talk about just the aspect of mindsets and how sometimes we get locked into patterns of thinking, some good, some bad, and it's difficult to set our minds in a different direction. 
If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. The words for this will be up on the screens, and I invite you to follow along with me. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let's pray together. All-knowing God, you perceive our innermost thoughts and desires, and we ask that you would lead us this morning to experience renewed thoughts that fulfill your purpose for our lives so that we may live as a joyful and unified community that is pleasing to you. Through Christ our Lord and our example we pray. Amen. Well, today we are embarking on a two-week look at some of the passages within Philippians, two key passages within Philippians that deal with mindset. And in this morning's passage, Paul is calling the Philippian church toward a certain mindset, which is contrary to the nature that I believe is the root of other mindsets that cause us difficulty in life. He's calling them to a mindset that's different than what their nature might be, and I believe it is the root of other mindsets that cause us difficulty in life. And the reality is all of us have different mindsets or attitudes is another word we could use for that that are ingrained in us through our experiences, either through experiences or because of our human nature. Uh, One example is I I knew people like this when I was in college. Perhaps you've known people like this throughout your life. Their entire worth was wrapped up in their success. Uh, for, For school, it was all about grades. And there was something that had happened in their home where there was so much pressure on them to make certain grades and to achieve certain things or to have some certain long-term goal and the grades were a necessary step to get there that throughout their life they put so much pressure on themselves because of that mindset that my worth is defined by how I do with my grades. There was a, a guy I grew up with and went to high school with And he used to always really frustrate me 
because he came from a family background that was full of all sorts of different kinds of prejudice. And in his family, there was a mindset that other people that were of a different economic class, of a different race, of a different nationality, that these people were somehow less than them. And it was hard for him to shake that mindset because it was so ingrained in who he was. There's also aspects of our nature uh, that just make it difficult to move beyond a negative mindset. One example, and that's kind of what Paul hints at this morning, is that many of us struggle with self-centeredness. And then some of us have topped on that, the self-centeredness aspect. We grew up only children. Uh, Your senior pastor and myself both grew up as only children, which should explain a lot. And uh, we, we struggle with this idea that the world doesn't revolve around us. I think everybody struggles with that to a certain respect because when you're growing up, your needs are cared for. People pay attention to you. And it can seem as though the world revolves around you, and it can seem as though everything is designed for your purposes and according to what your life is all about. And here's the reality in all of this. Our mindset shapes who we are. What we determine, what we think, excuse me, what we think determines what we become. Our mindset shapes who we are, and what we think determines what we become. And so the goal for us is to avoid certain patterns of thinking that might lead us in a negative direction. Uh, some people are so consumed by mindsets that they're not worth anything, or they're consumed by mindsets that they have to have more and more and more. And, and what this can become is, is what I like to call catastrophizing. Uh, that's a made up word. Microsoft Word didn't like it. Uh, but catastrophizing, basically, They are constantly involved in a pattern of thinking that is leading them astray, and it's leading them to catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe because of their mindset that they can't shake. But there are also good mindsets that we ought to set our minds on, and there are right patterns of thinking that can lead us in the right direction. In the next two weeks, we're going to look at two of those. But within our passage this morning, we see that Paul calls on the Philippian church to this very thing, to have a different mindset. Now, our natural mindset, as I mentioned, is to think of ourselves. It's to focus on ourselves, to believe that we're, we're within this bubble in which the world somewhat revolves around us. But Paul calls the Philippian church, and I believe this is a message for us today as well, he calls them to think of others above Himself. And in verse 1, we hear this. If you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, and any tenderness and compassion, then He says, make my joy complete. If you've been unified in Christ, if you've experienced Christ's Spirit, if you've shared in that, then He says, I want you to make my joy complete. And the way that you can make my joy complete is by being like minded by having the same love and being one in spirit and of one mind. And this is the way that that manifests itself. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Now, it's interesting to note that humility in this context, we we tend to think of it as a virtue today. We've seen it in Scripture. 
We've seen it in different wisdom literature and, and things of that nature, that humility is something to aspire for. But in that culture, it was not viewed as, as a virtue. And so what Paul was calling them to was not only contrary to their nature, it was also contrary to the culture around them. It was contrary to what they had seen exemplified around them. That they believed that you, you worked to, to get your own. You worked to get ahead, and you worked to gain the attention and the respect of others. And so you had to do things along the way that were self-serving. And in our own culture, we see that to a certain degree as well. Uh, to a large degree, actually. We, we see that and we are judged by what we have accomplished. We are judged by what size house we have, what job we have. And, and people look to that and they value their self-worth in that. And so our natural instinct is, if this is what I'm going to be judged by, then I need to do everything I can in order to get more, to get more attention on me. And so it becomes this selfish ambition thing that drives us. And it, it's all throughout our culture. We're, we're, we're so focused on ourselves sometimes. We even have a series of devices that begin with the letter I, uh, iPhone, iPad, and starting soon, the iWatch, because yes, we do need another device in our life. And it's all this focus on oneself, and it's all becoming kind of absorbed in our own little world. But Paul says, I want to call you to something bigger than that. I want to call you to something greater than that, that's greater than just self-ambition and self-centeredness. What he calls them to is to have the same mindset, there's that word, as Christ. Now, it's important to note that Paul encourages them to have the same mindset. And here's the reality that we all probably have figured out by now. Being like Jesus is difficult. It's difficult to be like Jesus because Jesus was perfect. Jesus was God incarnate. And so Paul says, learn to think like Jesus. Learn to have that attitude that was within Jesus. And if you, you think like Jesus, if what, we de- if what we think determines what we become, if our mindset truly shapes who we are, then by learning to think like Jesus, we can become more like Jesus and live lives that are more glorifying to God in the process. And this mindset, the core of this mindset is it was rooted in thinking of others above oneself. And we see this all throughout Jesus's life. All throughout Jesus's life, we see that he takes time to have compassion on people that he encounters. He goes out of his way to heal people that are in need. And it culminates in him going to the cross and sacrificing his life for all of humanity to have life. But it began with him coming to earth. The great mark of his, his humility was that he had such a high position to humble himself from. But instead of using that for his own advantage, he used that as an opportunity to become like us so that we could see his example and become more like him. And he came from this great height, and he took on flesh. And the, the incarnation of Jesus coming and taking on flesh, the word that we use uh, during the Advent season is Emmanuel, God with us, that God is with us. That's what we find in Jesus is that God is with us. God is sharing in our suffering. 
God is sharing in the things going on in our world. God is sharing in the difficulties and the trials that we face. He had the opportunity to have the entire world revolve around him. He could have come and said, here I am as a king, bow down and worship me. But instead, he uses an opportunity to become like us. And in doing so, because his mind was committed to thinking of others rather than thinking of his own glory, he humbled himself and took on the nature of a servant, which ultimately led to his sacrifice on the cross for us. And for Paul, the ultimate goal in life is that we would share in fellowship with Christ, that we would share in that mindset, that we would share that same mindset that was in Christ, thinking of others above ourselves. And and Paul, in Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11, he sums it up this way. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And suffering and sacrifice aren't popular things. They're not things that we look at and say, oh, those are things that I want to take on. And saying, oh, I want to be a servant. I want to be humbled. I want to be less than what I possibly could be on my own. I want to take a lower position. Those aren't popular things. But if, if we want to become more like Christ, if we want to have the right mindset, we have to start thinking in those terms and thinking, how can we view others above ourselves? How can we view others and not live out our own selfish ambition? And so in order to have that mindset of Christ, we have to have our mind set on others rather than ourselves. But this is kind of counterintuitive. So how do we make that shift? Uh, Recently, I began reading a book called The Power of Habit. It came out a few years ago. It was a bestseller. Uh, Charles Duhigg was the author of that. And what he talks about in that book is how habits are formed. And it's it's kind of a long read that goes into the anatomy of the brain, neurology, and talks about how habits are formed and how the brain works and how we store information and how it sets us on certain paths. But it's interesting, throughout that book, he highlights the stories of different people who made one change. He calls these keystone habits. But they made one simple change in their life developed another habit, and it had a lasting effect on what they did. Uh, One example was of a woman who quit smoking. And by quitting smoking, it changed everything in her lifestyle. By resisting the urge to have a cigarette, she developed better habits. And from that, she was able to overcome uh, compulsive spending. She was able to hold down a job, which she had not been able to before. She was able to eat healthier And it all began with developing that first good habit of quitting smoking. For others, it's a daily exercise routine. Uh, Exercising on a regular basis forms habits within you that has a domino effect and impacts positively other aspects of your life. And I believe that from small shifts that we make in our mindset, we can form habits on our own that will move us in a positive direction towards having that mindset of Christ. There's a uh, guy by the name of Rich Mullins. Many of you may not be aware of him unless you grew up listening to Christian, contemporary Christian music and worship music before worship music was really a 
big industry back in the, the 80s and 90s. But Rich Mullins, he wrote the song Awesome God is probably what he's most known for. But when he was first starting out in the music industry, he was at the Dove Awards, which is basically the equivalent of the Grammys for the Christian music industry. He was at the Dove Awards, and during a banquet surrounding the Dove Awards, where he was receiving his first award, he went and exchanged clothes with someone who was part of the banquet service team. And so he was at an event that was supposed to honor him and others, and he said, hey, I want you to go enjoy the banquet. I'm going to spend time serving tonight. And so I I believe he was like the meat carver or something. And so he's sitting there carving meat onto people's plates. And most people, because he was fairly new to the industry, didn't know who it was. But eventually people started to realize, hey, this is a guy who should be honored. And they started piecing it together. But he, he decided, just because I'm receiving this honor doesn't mean that I need to receive all the glory and I need to have attention put on me. I want to find ways to serve others. And so he made that small little shift. And because of that, and because of other things in his life, he had a very servant-minded attitude within his life. And when he passed away, all of the people in the Christian music community, that was what they wanted to talk about, was not his music that he made that was so influential and so impactful, what they wanted to talk about was this was a guy who got that mindset of Jesus. This was a guy who understood that life isn't all about bringing glory for yourself. It's about serving others as well. And I think there are different things that we can do, different habits that we can develop that will cause us to have a more positive mindset and cause us to have more of that mindset that was in Jesus. One example, and this this is something I'm trying to work through in my own life, is when you get cut off in traffic. This might sound simple, but little mindsets, little habit changes. When you get cut off in traffic, instead of coming up with a wide variety of words to address that person by, uh, or making any gestures in their direction, uh, think, okay, this is an opportunity to let someone go ahead of me. It's that shift in thinking, little shift in thinking. Uh, years ago, my mindset was consumed by what happens on Saturdays during the fall determines how I feel the rest of the week. And then I realized, oh gosh, I've got to get up and lead people in the worship of God the next morning. I can't have this mindset the next day. And that kind of helped a little bit. And then I realized I got to get up the next morning and lead people in the worship of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And it came alive within my life. And I realized that life was more than just what happens on Saturdays during the fall. It's these shifts in mindset that that have a positive impact in every aspect of our lives. And so there might be things that you would do around the house. If you are a spouse, it might mean that not waiting for the other to do the dishes, but rushing to do the dishes before they have a chance to. Thinking of others and their time before you think of yourself. Small little habit changes that can have an impact. I just made the crazy sign, I'm sorry. Uh, Have an impact on a positive mindset. There will be opportunities throughout the course of the next 
few weeks, as Whit mentioned earlier in our service, we, we have construction, hopefully right around the corner at our church. And during that time, there will be times when there will be other parts of the church that you may not be connected with that will be positively impacted and it might inconvenience you for a period of time. Those are opportunities to think of others above yourself and to celebrate those changes. And so you might get detoured a little bit. You might get rained on as you have to go to a different location for dropping your kids off. But those are opportunities, if we have the right mindset, to think of others and think, oh, this has a positive long-term effect if I think of others and not think of myself. In Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, I'm going to read this from the message version of the Bible. This is a, a great verse that I came across this past week that I believe speaks to what we ought to do uh, to have the same mind that was in Christ. And it says, those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? How can I help? I believe that that's the beginning to having this mindset that's within Christ. It's looking at the world around us, instead of looking at our encounters with other people, our encounters with our, our family and our workplace, instead of looking at it and thinking to ourselves, how can I get ahead? How can I work this to my advantage? Looking for opportunities to go out of your way and say, how can I help? When I was in seminary, we had a conversation about a biblical scholar that a lot of people didn't agree with. And my professor said something that had a profound impact on me. He was talking about how, well, there's a lot of different things written, and you, some of it you just have to take it with a grain of salt. Don't believe everything that's written. And he said, Here, here's a truth that you need to realize about life. Kingdom building is different than resume building. Building the kingdom of God is different than building your own resume. And I believe that so many of us have the mindset that what I do in life is for me to get ahead, it's for me to have the right resume, it's for me to have the attention and the prestige that I deserve. But kingdom building, God's kingdom, is about sacrifice. It's about thinking of others above ourselves. It's about laying down your agenda for the needs of others. It's about surrendering perhaps even suffering for the sake of someone else. It's what we see modeled in Christ. It's what we see as that mindset that was in Christ Jesus. And so I believe that if we commit to having that mindset that was in Christ Jesus, it can have a profound impact on our families, it can have a profound impact on the places that we work, and it can have a profound impact on our church as we think corporately, how can I put others above ourselves? If what we think determines what we become, if our mindset shapes who we are, then having that mindset that was in Christ Jesus, learning to think like Jesus did, 
thinking of others above ourselves is an opportunity to become a community of people committed to the needs of others, committed to serving those in the world around us with Christ as our model. And when we do that, it breathes life into the world. It breathes truth and compassion and goodness into the world. And the good news is we're not alone in this. Verses 12 and 13 of our passage this morning reminds us of this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work it out. For it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And that's what this is all about. Having that mindset that was in Christ Jesus is all about that. The good purpose that God has for our lives. We, we love to, to quote in Jeremiah where it says that God knows the plans he has for us. Well, part of the plans that he has for us is not just how can we be served, but part of his good purpose for us is how can we serve those that we have the chance to impact in our lives. Let's pray together.